Mora conducts physician-led support groups, helping people live healthier, happier lives, free from chronic diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. And on our podcast, Health and Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus, we bring to you nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests to empower and inspire you with their knowledge and stories of plant-based lifestyle so that you can be your healthiest self. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Rock Chitwani. How are you? I'm great. Nice to nice to meet you. Nice to be on your show, Lori. Fantastic. No, you've got a great story. And, you know, I really think people really enjoy hearing from physicians who have their own transformations, which you have quite a transformation. And now you have a, a new That's calling right. and purpose in life, which is really fun That's right. uh, to really hear. So let's go back to the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about your history? First of all, why would you even want to go to medical school? What, what was your prompt there? Huh, that's a good question. Well, I, um, for my childhood, um, very much said I didn't want to be a doctor because um, that was something my parents wanted. Um, my parents are first generation Indian immigrants and many, I think many people obviously immigrate to this country and they want something better for their kids and South Asians in particular, it's probably true for other um cultures, ethnicities as well, but South Asian in particular, they really, really are fond of their children going into medicine. <laughs> and so my mom would say that, and I would say, no, I'm definitely not becoming a doctor. And um, and then as I got older, like in high school, one, I realized that I really had um, a strong um, motivation to serve and to serve other people in a capacity where I felt like I was bettering their life and um and I had an inclination like I really enjoyed science um and I, I went to college sort of with this open mind um I told my parents at that time too I I, I don't know what I want to do and in the back of my mind I thought maybe I want to do medicine but I don't want to admit that <laughs> and um and then I and then I took you know sort of pre-med classes um but I remember um meeting with the pre-med advisor and she said, well, you know, a lot of people say they want to go into medicine, but really the question you have to ask yourself is like, can you imagine working with people who are sick? And, and very quickly in my head, I was like, that feels right to me. I can't explain why, but I started volunteering at the hospital. Um, and I volunteer, volunteered at the, in the cancer ward, like just being a patient navigator um at the university hospital I was at um and then I took a seminar in death and dying and I volunteered with the hospital chaplain and I went to college in the south in North Carolina and at Duke and um to some very religious people and uh just a very religious culture I should say and uh, that was a very powerful experience, actually, to like go um, meet with people who were ill in the hospital and then to be with the chaplain who was trying to comfort and soothe them. And, I, and that experience like felt so powerful that I said, wow, I could have the opportunity to have these types of connections all the time and to provide this service. And I like science. <laughs> and so... Mm-hmm. I um I did I decided kind of late then so I took um 
a gap year um, and I actually did um, AmeriCorps uh, in Chicago. I did part, part of AmeriCorps is this program called VISTA, which is Volunteers in Service to America. And I worked at a healthcare nonprofit um, in Chicago. I'm originally from Chicago. And uh, this was an organization trying to expand healthcare coverage for people in the city and the state and ultimately for the entire country, but um, really working to try and um, expand universal coverage, big proponent of a single payer system. And um, uh, I learned a ton in that, uh, in that year. Um, one of the things we did was actually organize people who had a lot of hospital debt or medical debt. Um, we would run a, a helpline for people and we would identify people with really compelling stories. And then we used uh, their stories to help uh, provide um, those stories stories to change legislate like to lobby for legislation. I wasn't technically supposed to be lobbying because that it's a government program. So I used to have to do some of that stuff. <laughs> I think I won't get in trouble now. That was in <laughs> 2002. Um, yeah, it's probably a I, time limit there. <laughs> and then I went to medical school and um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot of stuff to, you know, because it's just a lot of stuff to learn and you learn anatomy and then you go through your rotations. And it seems like at some point I lost sight of maybe why I went to medicine. I, I don't know. I, I say that because I, I felt like there were so many, there's always just so many like hurdles in medical school. Mm -hmm. There's all the big exams and then where are you going to go for residency? And, mm -hmm. um, but not, not completely. I think I knew I wanted to be an internist. Um, at th that I had realized at the end of medical training. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Again, I thought maybe I'll specialize because it seems like that's what everyone's doing right now. But um, so I, I specialized. I, I, my original residency was in internal medicine, and I matched in San Francisco at UCSF. So I'm not from here, but I was then dating, now married to someone who's from the Bay Area, who said, and she was a year younger than me, um, also in medical school, um, went to different schools actually, but met through friends. And she said, I really uh, have been wanting to, she, she had been in Chicago for eight years. And she said, I really want to move back to San Francisco. And I said, well, I don't, I, there's a large chance I won't match there. <laughs> we can try I can try and I was I yeah and 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 I feel very fortunate I had a great experience in residency I did a, a specific pathway in, at UCSF in health equity and mm. so um, which was centered at San Francisco General um, so on my elective time during my second and third year um, we did um, all sorts of really interesting things like worked at community clinics and we got specific training in motivational interviewing um, mm -hmm. actually through like an organization that does a lot of substance abuse counseling mm -hmm. uh, in the East Bay and at the time I remember thinking like I'm not going to do substance abuse counseling like why <laughs> would and so for the listeners right motivational interviewing is a, a style of interviewing um, 
where you're eliciting the individual's motivation for wanting to make change. And it was developed originally in the substance abuse counseling um, uh, practice of substance abuse counseling, but now sort of broadly is used all throughout. Um, it's particularly useful in what we do, right? In lifestyle counseling. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time I remember thinking like, <laughs> this is interesting, but I don't, when am I gonna use this? So it's funny how the universe works like that. Because um, <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to be still, but I thought I wanted to be a kidney doctor, um, mostly because, again, I really like science and I love like the nephron and all the electrolyte it's acid about based the nerdy problems. as you can get. That and then that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And math. I felt actually very like at home with that. So I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I should be a nephrologist. And so again, I didn't decide till like towards the end of training. So I took a gap year and I worked as a hospital hospitalist, hospital physician for a year before I went. I did end up going to nephrology fellowship. Um, and then and then very quickly into that fellowship, I, I realized I was like, oh, it's not just like really interesting <laughs> hospital cases that you're doing all the time. Like it's, it's a lot of it is you're in the dialysis unit and it's a lot of chronic management, um, which is not bad. My wife is actually a nephrologist. Um, I just realized that it didn't really, it didn't really, well, I'll be honest. I. I think dialysis sort of become the default. A lot of things we do in medicine, right? These very kind of, I would say extreme things like, you know, taking over the work of someone's organ with this very convoluted machine is not normal, right? You'd agree. In fact, when dialysis was first developed, it was so, it was rationed because there were hardly any machines, but now has become the standard. Like it's almost like default, right? Oh, okay, your kidney fails and then you're going to go on this, sort of unnatural machine, um, which I think is an excellent, amazing tool. And like much of what we do in medicine with like medications and technology, perhaps like just broadly gets applied to everyone as sort of this default when it doesn't, I don't know if necessarily makes sense for everyone or we don't take the time to have the conversations um, about whether or not it makes sense because it's become such the default. Um, so I realized I couldn't practice in that like environment. Like I thought first, I thought, well, maybe I should change. Like this needs to change. And I started developing like a research project on the ethics of um, ending dialysis and having those conversations. And um, and then we had our daughter, our first. Uh, child uh, during that time when I was in fellowship and after she was born I just really started questioning like what I wanted to do with my life I was like do I want to change a system that you know I don't necessarily agree with that's just creating a lot of like tension and 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 stress in me and like every day I would feel that I would go to work and I would feel like um or, or, you know, I thought back to when I worked as a hospitalist for that year and I got to, I was at a community, I, same, I'm at the same hospital now. I was at a community hospital. It's also an academic hospital. So there's training programs, uh, but it's a community hospital. And it's also like a tertiary referral um, center, like within the system. So 
saw interesting cases. I was working with presidents. Um, and medicine training sort of trains you to be a hospitalist. <laughs> so I was good at it too. Like I felt very comfortable with it. So I was like, I'll do that. Cause I, again, I didn't, I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. I don't want to be a nephrologist. Mm. Like I, I started checking <laughs> off like the boxes of things that I was like, I can't go to every fellowship. So well, I finished my first year. Um, and partway <clears throat> through that year, I, I, I decided I, I kind of just got in touch with the people, um, the, the, the chief of the department I had, had been working with um, for that gap year. And because I was feeling so guilty where I was feeling like I had done this terrible mm. thing. Like I was going to let down my mentors. And, um, and, and so when the hospital I worked at said, oh, we'd love to have you back it felt like this weight was sort of lifted. Like, yeah. oh, I don't have yeah. to do this thing that felt like a terrible wrong decision. Yeah. And then not, in retrospect, of course not. Like there were lots of things I could have done. I could have, you know, applied for other jobs, but at the moment I was just feeling like, this is the end of the world. <laughs> like, I don't know, right. I'm leaving all these things I built up to this. And I don't know, you tell yourself this story. Um, well, you know, and those de decisions always lead to other opportunities. You have a very good knowledge base now about renal function, which is <laughs> interesting as we get into further topics. But, you know, if you look back at just your storyline that you just shared, it's a lot of service. You're you're thinking about the ethical side of things. You're thinking right. about having to make things better. Is this the right choice? So it doesn't surprise me that you're at where you're at. <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, if you look back, mm. it's like pretty 2020. It's interesting. Um, yeah. No, that was that was a definite common thread through is that's where it's led you. And that's where a lot of people end up in medicine who enjoy lifestyle medicine is just it's a mm. service component, right? I had this similar thing because I wanted to be in the military and serve and thinking this would be my life. And then after four years, I'm like, get me the heck out of here because <laughs> I love the people that right. I cannot do this anymore. That's and right. yeah. So, I mean, I totally get that. Oh, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, there's so many people on your path. I can't even tell you how many conversations that I've had with similar folks. Um, but this makes it interesting though. But so during this time, you know, that I'm sure this is highly stressful. So tell us about the next phase, oh, yeah. like you're dealing That's with the great. stress and what, how did you deal with stress and what did that lead you yeah. to your own health consequences? That's right. That's right. Um, I dealt with stress, I think for much of my life um, with food, mm. I, from a very early age, I learned, you know, I learned, everyone learns like how comforting food can be. And we always say this now, I don't know if it's true but I grew up in the early 80s right and it was oh we didn't my parents will say we didn't know how bad sugar was and I think that's true like I think we yeah. knew it was bad but not like how we know it is now like right. they used to get us whatever cereal you know I'm not and again I'm not I mean they were just they were just like this is what everyone does I would yeah. have coke like you know I, they limited it but they were like you could have it on the weekends my children have never tried regular soda. No, honestly, it's it's interesting though because when I grew up, we didn't have it just because we couldn't afford it. I mean, literally, we could oh, not. Wow. There were yeah. there were months that if my grandmother didn't bring us groceries, we wouldn't have eaten. 
And so we grew oh, our wow. vegetables. We had a ton of potatoes and beans. We had some meat, but it was expensive. We had dairy. Yeah. Um, but uh, honestly, I would we ate a pauper's diet that was really healthy just because, but we never had the processed food. My mom would like, you get box cereal. My mom's like, no, we're going to get oatmeal and grits. That's what you're getting. <laughs> and and, your and that cereal. and that was like amazing for, for your habits and health probably at the time you were probably yeah. like, oh, I wish I had whatever yeah. lunchable or that's when I was a kid. I did. Honestly, I coveted my friends that had all these little cute little snacks and stuff. I mean, I remember days my mom would put two slices of bread together and butter and that was my lunch. I mean, it was bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I totally appreciate that. But my husband's family, my husband's Filipino and his family came from the Philippines and he was born here. Very similar experience. He's like, they would buy him bags of chips. They were military. And so then he goes, we'd have a bag of Cheetos gone before we got home. And listen, it, if you're an immigrant and you come here and then you mm-hmm. work hard and do well, then part of that American like lifestyle is like, because in India, they couldn't buy any of that stuff. Right. They wanted that stuff or they saw that stuff on TV and they would be like, you know, they might once in a while get a, a soda or something, but it was so uncommon mm-hmm. uh, that then they came here and they're like, oh, this stuff is everywhere. And now we can... <laughs> Give, but no, I, I, the, I don't want to give the blame to my parents. Actually, but they ate a very simple, like Indian. They tried very hard to make that, um, like the food we ate, and mm-hmm. I was just exposed. You know, like yeah. when I got to high school, and I think my senior year of high school, you can go off campus, and I was like, I can go to McDonald's every day, <laughs> and for two dollars, you can get two cheeseburgers and two fries. <laughs> Like, right? And so that's, I did that every day in senior year of high school. I got the $2, two che- double cheeseburgers, whatever, at McDonald's. I will tell you what happened. When I was a kid, you know what my parents did to prevent us from wanting to go out to eat? Was that my dad, my stepdad would tell me that the McDonald's hamburgers made out of worms. And all, all these stories. And I knew as I got older, that was BS. But I would not, for the life of me, just the thought of eating anything like that grossed me out so much. I was like, I want no part of it. That's, that's <laughs> anyway. smart. That's smart. Oh, no. I'm, and then when I got to college, it was even worse. There was a Chick-fil-A oh, on my campus. Oh, which highly addictive. Know, highly addictive. I didn't know what. Waffle fries? I was like, I don't know what these things are. There's something special about them. That's all I could say. Um, <laughs> I, and then, and then my freshman year, my grandfather died, oh. and um, that was like the first like close family member that had died. And and it's interesting. I mean, he grew up not that far from us. Um, he lived with my cousin, my aunt and uncle, and so I used mm-hmm. to see him all the time. And I don't know if I was particularly close to him, but I just saw him all the time, um, and it affected me like way more than I was expecting. Like I was, I remember, I think it was like my, you know, I was in pre-med bio and there's a big exam. And then I found out mm. and I flew home for a couple of days and um, I don't know. I was like, I want to do something hard to remember how fortunate I am and to remember him. And I asked myself, what could I do? That's really hard for me. Like that would be a reminder. And I was like, go oh, giving up meat because I love meat. <laughs> I love meat a lot. So I became a vegetarian. Um, from that point on through, I think my first year of medical school. So for like six years, wow. 
um, I was a vegetarian and I was um, like so on like I was the unhealthiest vegetarian right like very very early on I was like okay I can't eat meat anymore what can I do and I found Morningstar Farms and Boca and I, you open my fridge and freezer in college it was like full of all of these that's all I ate and mm. cheese pizza and you know like veggie like so I ate a lot of cheese I ate a lot of uh processed meat and mm. and coke and like there was a coke the machine Oreos on the and floor. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that's right there was a coke machine on the floor and I was like you can have this every day and you can use your card like it blew my mind and I was like I oh, was a you card know, like your your meal card yeah, you swipe your card and oh. you could use it in the vending machine and you could wow. order you could order Jimmy John's and you could order pizza and all these things and then when I became vegetarian I was like I could still order all these things <laughs> just <laughs> so I you know and then when I got to medical school the first year um I found it very stressful and um and I, none of the people I was like my roommate and the people I was eating with regularly were vegetarian. And so I was always having to order something separate or this, that, and it was, and I really remember, I really enjoyed meat. Like mm. it was like, I would see everyone eating it and I'd be like, I want that. I want mm. that. And so um, about six months into, I was like, you know what? I can't, it, this is, this is negatively affecting me. Uh, my, that's what I told myself. I'm going to go back to eating meat. So mm-hmm. I did, and I I went back like really hard. <laughs> like I started going to like in Chicago. There's all these steakhouse. I mean, I was a student, so I didn't have a lot of money. But like we, um, you know, on on like my roommate's birthday, we would go to a steakhouse or something. Or uh, and certainly like I was like getting back. I was like, oh, there's all these different burgers. Do you know White Castle? Yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I never ate there, but yeah, I know what they are. <laughs> I wish I had any. No, no, I shouldn't say that. But I know I, my, I ate plenty of Chick Fil A after my these <laughs> little up. burgers, and, I, was adult, and yeah. I would yeah. be studying, and I'd order that. Or again, it was just sort of like this is the food that comforts stress, mm-hmm. and it was like pizza. It was you know I had to order at every restaurant: Taco Bell, Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter Popeyes and. I just, um, I didn't see a problem with it. You know, in fact, it was sort of like, I'm working so hard. I, this is how I treat myself. I deserve this food and, and didn't realize it until, you know, just doing that for years, as you can imagine, it catches up with you. And I was doing that um, intermittently. I would like, like when I got married in 2009, I was like, I want to lose weight for my wedding. So I just, cut a lot of that stuff out and I cut my portions down a lot I didn't really change the food I was eating I just started eating less of it and I forced myself to run every day and then um I lost 30 pounds in like a few months and then uh the day after my wedding uh I ordered my wife answers the door I was in the shower and I come out and she's like are you having people over I said why and she said you've ordered enough barbecue like I ordered ribs and barbecue chicken and mac and cheese all this stuff and I I I have not eaten any of this stuff for you know however many months I had this is and what happened of course in a few months I regained those 30 pounds and more and in the midst of all like 
my career decision and residency. Residency, you know, you pull 36 hour shifts every few days, which in retrospect, I'm like, how did we do that? <laughs> I think it's like, anyway, yeah. I think it's insane. Yeah. But you do that by eating this stuff, eating like sugar and caffeine and just like keeps you going. And then, um, and then my daughter was born and, um, and then I went back to work as a hospitalist um, and having a child and having a new job, being a young physician, all very stressful. And they get at the hospital, they cater food every day, Chinese food, Thai food, pizza like this is the food right they that we feed the doctors and so I would eat that every day and um and I think I I saw this wellness speaker when I started who went through like the phases of, of a physician like a physician's career mm. and I, this always resonated with me um and when you start off right after training it's sort of the heroic phase where you're like I'm a new doctor and I can do all these you know, wonderful things for people. And I can write a prescription, like, you know, like maybe in residency it's that, but even out right outside of training, it's this sort of this heroic phase. And the heroic phase can last like a couple years, two, three years before eventually you enter what he called the doldrums. <laughs> and the doldrums are like, okay. where you're like, you know what you're doing, but it's sort of this day-to-day um, some people that happens five years, 10 years into their career. Some people, I'd say for me, um, it happened maybe four or five years into my career. And um, I was just sort of like every day showing up to work. And I felt like I was maybe starting to go through the motions a little bit. And, um, and then I would come home and I'd have this litany of and at this point, we had two kids. So we had my daughter was three, and we had a one-year-old. And I would, I would tell them, anyone who would listen, like this happened today, and this happened today, and this nurse did this, and they're making me work this shift, and I don't know. I was, uh, I was like, always complaining, always complaining, until you know, my wife pointed out, and she would point out, she would say, we, we were in a good mood, and then you came home. Oh, and I know, right? And I, I, I said to her, I said, you know, I don't get to complain at work. I have to be collegial, and that's how it was to me at the time. I thought this is I'm playing a part at work where I have to be this collegial person. Now, honestly, that's how I felt. And one time, she said to me, she said, "Why, why is it fair that the people you?" say you love the most, get the worst version of you. Hmm. And that didn't feel good, you know? It's like, no, that's not it at all. I love you guys. And, and, and that, I say that now, like at the time, I don't think I realized that that was really an act of kindness, hmm. that was, she was being so honest with me. Um, this is the people that you care about the most that you show that honesty and you're, you know, she's, she knows, she knew how, how reactive I was and wondering, like, should I even talk to him about any of this? Because he's only going to get more, you know, upset or annoyed. Um, and serendipitously, um, there was a, 
a evening work session and required to do like a certain number of hours of these extra off work like learning um, sessions every year. And one of them was run by the physician wellness group and it was called evidence-based workplace happiness. And it was mm. uh, all the things you can do to be happier, which when I read that, I said, uh, is there dinner? <laughs> Are they serving food? And okay, I'll go to this. It's, it sounds interesting, but um, but it also I was skeptical because I was like, that's not really that's not really my choice. Um, so I went to this talk. It was two hour session at night, and there were a bunch of people there. and And I remember one of the first things they talked about was gratitude, and how you showing gratitude regularly is a way that you can be happier and. I was like, okay, that sounds good. But then they said, no, we're going to have you experience it. And they had us pull out our devices, our phone. And uh, they said, we're going to send a message, send an email or a text to somebody you work with and tell them specifically why you appreciate them. And I had an office mate at the time, this guy, Ray, um, who had been, he's 20, he's like 15, 20 years uh, senior to me. Um, and so he would give me a lot and he had also three kids and, um, and his kids were older. And so I would just get a lot of really like sage advice from him. And he's just also like someone I could go to with clinical questions. And, um, and I had certainly been talking to him about like my struggle and in my home. And I told him that I said, Ray, I just really appreciate you and like your friendship and um, having support from you and this work makes it a lot better mm. and so I put my phone away and then they said how do you feel and I was like oh I feel better <laughs> it's like I feel better actually I do feel better I was like that was a life for me I was like oh wait you mean I could do that every day and I would feel better and I was like what else could I do and then they started talking about what else can you do and that's when I learned about I heard about, I mean, I actually tried meditation in the past. I grew up in Hindu family and my, my faith is Hinduism. I tried like some meditation in college and not with the effect of sort of being more present and mindful. Um, I didn't really know um, what my motivation for, for wanting to try, maybe just more to calm my mind. But, um, but then I downloaded the Headspace app, you know, and because um, that's what they were they recommended, and I started. Uh, I started doing it in my car. Started meditating in my car for ten minutes. Uh, I would pull off to the side of the road by our house, and um, and I didn't know what to expect from it. All I knew is that I sent a text message to Ray, and I felt better. So I was like, <laughs> "Let me try this out too." And then, uh, and then within a few weeks, my wife pulled me aside and she said, what's going on with you? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I don't know. You just seem like you're in a better mood when you come home and you're, mm -hmm. you're just like more present. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, I'm kind of like wanting to do that, you know? And, and she said, and you're coming home a little later. <laughs> no. I said, I'm meditating in my car, I swear. And she didn't believe me. I was like, no, I'm using this app. And she, she didn't meditate at the time either. And, um, and, and then she also, she was like, I'm glad it's working for you. Because um, I kept telling her, I'm like, this is the best stuff ever. <laughs> you have to do this. And it really, 
um, starts to change your relationship with your thoughts and starts to create the space where you can start responding and start reacting and starting telling her all these things. And, um, and eventually she tried, she tried it. Um, no, not again, nothing bad to my, we had three young kids and there was one night where she was just like, I came home and the kids were like, they were almost like, they were like a little afraid because she was yelling. She was like yelling. She, I think was kind of really at her wits end. Um, and then I saw her and she was kind of shaking. And I said, why don't you go upstairs, take some time to yourself. And then she came down uh, like an hour later and she said, I, I tried the app and it really helped. <laughs> it really helped me calm down and sort of see myself in, in that moment. And so now we both have become like really big believers and I talk to a lot of my patients about it. But anyway, that back to that, I mean, that was, that was where I feel like everything kind of changed for me. Because mm. uh, I started looking at my life as more of a series of choices, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to being like a victim of circumstances. Yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. I, I think it's uh, almost like when you are first confronted with patients who start a plant-based diet and they see numbers changing and it was all because of choices. So the chronic disease is not a sentence right. that was given to them that they can't, you know, it wasn't their genetics and it wasn't, you know, just their luck of That's the draw. Right. It was like, these are decisions. And it honestly empowers you and gives you joy in the fact That's that, right. wait a minute, I do have a choice. And all of those things come to, I feel like, you know, your whole life, you kind of, or you're, the way you told me, I don't know, you, 100%, <laughs> but, but it was interesting how you kind of floated between things, right? And kind of, but then when you get to this point of just sitting back and thinking and observing, because which is basically what yeah. meditation is, right? You're observing That's right. The, That's right. the situation. It gave you the power to see that you don't have to react to the emotions or the thoughts right. or anything. They That's don't right. own you. It's a, it's a right. very powerful place to be um, and a, a relief. <laughs> I find it as a relief because you don't have to react to all That's these right. thoughts and emotions. You're like, wait, I'm That's not right. that thought. I'm just observing right. the thought. I'm not That's that right. emotion. It's going to pass. Right. And so it's very, it's a uh, empowering to, to see that, but it's a lot of that is it's, it's pretty cool. So then what led you down the lifestyle medicine track? Well, like, where did that, you come? know, it's, it's just what you're saying. Like I started observing my thoughts and emotions and I started realizing um, that I was making a lot of choices that didn't really align with what I said. I, I said I wanted to be like a good father. I said I wanted to be there for my kids and I would come home and, you know, I was, I was suddenly like, like having a lot more fun like we're having dance parties and playing games and all these things that I, I that were accessible to me and I started realizing like yeah I have to like be around for them like I can't just go on living based on my like my hedonistic <laughs> pleasure wheel where I was right what can I eat that's really enjoyable there was a uh there's an in and out next to a Krispy Kreme not too far from where I oh live my. And it's so like a deadly combination post call in residency <laughs> that was I would go there because when you put your order in at the in and out you can go get right I was like I that how, 
how how can I reconcile what I'm doing right now, like, and with with these three little faces? So, um, <laughs> as luck would have it, again at work, um, there was a doctor from Sacramento, South Sacramento, who came to give a CME talk on plant-based eating, and Which he doctor? told his story. Rajiv Mesquita. I don't know him. I know, with him. I know some of your Kaiser books, but not him. Okay. Oh, he's, 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 well, he's an amazing, uh, amazing individual, amazing human being. You should have him on your podcast. Yeah. Um, he, when he was 40, he started getting chest pain. I'm going to tell you the whole story, but he started getting chest pain. He drove himself to the emergency room. He was dropping his kids off at school and had blockages, um, oh. cardiac blockages. And so they stented him. And nobody talked to him about diet or lifestyle, right? He went on American Heart Association diet, started exercising more, starting lean meat instead of red meat, started um, using olive oil. And then, and then like six months later, he was at the gym on the treadmill and started getting chest pain again. Went back to the hospital. His stents had closed off. He had more disease, needed bypass surgery. And so he started asking, he's like, what? Well, what can one do, right? And so he, it didn't take him long. He, he like looked in the literature and he's like, oh, you can actually reverse heart disease with diet? Like, why has no one told me this? Like, why did I have the first procedure and no one said, like, and by the way, if you want to prevent. <laughs> so he made it his mission to go around to every medical center at our, in our entire Northern California region to tell his story, to share this. And I was sitting in the audience um, and I remember hearing his story. I was, I was, he's Indian I, like me. And I was six, I think five years younger than him, five years younger than when he had, I was 35. And he had his heart attack when he was 40. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, um, this is going to be me in five years. Like I can see this now. And the other thing that was so memorable about that session is they, the lunch they served was a whole food plant-based lunch. And awesome. which at the time, like I would think is like rabbit food. Like, why would I eat this? But it was black bean and um, sweet potato quesadillas, but there was no cheese, right? It was just the mashed sweet potatoes and black beans. It was very well spiced. And it came with a side of guacamole and a side of really good salsa mm -hmm. and like whole wheat tortilla. And as I was eating, I was like, this is really good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. Like it's got acid and flavor and texture. And like they had made them a little crispy. And um, I didn't think much of it other than remember, I can think back to that now um, because I went back to the same talk. He didn't come back the next year. Somebody else from health education gave, because every year they do this three week plant-based challenge plant powered challenge and three weeks he, he started it like at his medical center and then it sort of spread and they'd been doing it for a couple years at my medical center um and i remember the first year hearing about it and sort of like why would anyone do that that was my thought like why would anyone do that and the second year hearing his story and then saying like i need to do this and so i signed up for it and then the very next day like uh, went to the conference and they were serving like pizza or something. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this because I was not ready to make that change. Like in my head, I thought this is something I should do, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what food I was going to eat. I didn't know how to cook the food. Um, so what I did do, thankfully, is um, I said, well, that black bean, 
<laughs> sweet potato quesadilla is pretty good. And I bet there's mm -hmm. more things like that. So I did Meatless mm -hmm. Mondays for, um, for about a year. Yeah, it was about a oh, year wow. because then the plant powered challenge came back. I said, I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. I knew what I was going to cook. I had learned how to make whole food plant-based lasagna. I had learned how to make all sorts of different tacos. Like all the things I really love. Yeah. I had learned how to like cook those things. And, and it didn't, I realized this, this whole world of making these things. Then I did it for three weeks, 100% whole food plant-based. This is going from, you know, I was still eating. I, I, my fast food choices were getting better. Like, I don't know if you know, at like Taco Bell, they have a fresco menu. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. Cool, but <laughs> I would, I would, start, yeah, yeah. I would I get start getting some like healthier options mm -hmm. at these restaurants. But, um, but then for three weeks, I, um, I did a hundred percent. And then I felt like a different person. Like, mm -hmm. You know, it's not even an understatement. You're shaking your head because you, you, you've seen this probably so many people now. But at the time, I, I was like, three weeks. But I was sleeping better. You know, I had a Fitbit at the time. This is the most amazing thing. My resting heart rate went from like the 80. I have a screenshot of this because I show it sometimes. Uh, went from the 80s to the like 60s. And I didn't start exercising in these three weeks. I wasn't exercising at the time. Mm -hmm. It's just my heart was getting butter, blood flow. Mm -hmm. and that um wasn't enough evidence for me right after that I said okay I'm gonna do this 80 percent of the time 20 <laughs> percent of the time I'm gonna eat the food I love like on my birthday that year I went to a steakhouse because that's what I used to do I used mm -hmm. to when I had the opportunity I was like oh it was a steakhouse <laughs> and um and I remember my heartburn which I'd suffered from for so many years in residency and med school because at this point I went to the doctor Lori. And I, my, at this point, my weight had really, really gone up. I was obese uh, at that time. And then, uh, which my doctor told me, he's like, yo, you're, you know, he put on my problem list in the chart. He put obesity mm. on it. And then uh, my blood pressure was high. Uh, he said, well, we'll have you come back and recheck it. You don't have to start any medicines right now. My cholesterol, my LDL cholesterol was like 168 or 170 or something like Your that. Your LDL was 160? LDL. Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> I know. Gives me a heart attack just to right. And I was pre-diabetic. And I was pre-diabetic. Oh, wow. um, wow. And most of those things reversed in three weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. My blood pressure normalized. Uh, my cholesterol dropped like 40 points in three mm -hmm. weeks. Um, my pre-diabetes reversed. Um, and and I lost like 10 pounds. And I wasn't trying to lose. I mean, I, I the whole time I was like, I was like, uh this was going on I was like you know that's just my destiny I'm a bigger guy I'm you know I'm gonna kind of I never thought this is my choice this is the food I'm eating but it's so funny but now I get that so much with patients I never I, I you know it could be easy to be like why don't you understand no but I'm like no I totally get it I was living like mm -hmm. that for so many years and I um and then I uh I said, wow, I you know, lose weight, sleep better, have more energy. So I started that 80%, but then I went to that steak dinner, my heartburn came back, terrible heartburn that night. And I felt terrible the next morning. I almost like felt like sluggish. And I was like, oh, sounds maybe <clears throat> silly now. No, I don't think so. Like I didn't, it was more light bulb moment again. It's like, oh, the food you eat. 
It affects how you feel. It doesn't, it's not just how it tastes. Right. It should taste good. I still believe my food oh, should absolutely. be delicious. I should want to eat yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And it has the opportunity to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. And then as <laughs> that year went on and I just gravitated towards eating the food that made me feel good and tasted good. And the cafeteria, I was like, oh, they make spring rolls, the Vietnamese spring rolls. They always used to get the one with shrimp, but right next to it, they have one with tofu. And I didn't, and you know, and, and then I was like, why wouldn't I eat the tofu? The tofu one makes me feel better and it tastes great. So it was that kind of thing that I just, I started doing that more and more and more and more until, um, until I was like, what is it that I like or that I used to eat? And how can I eat that now? You know, I discovered banana ice cream, ice cream. I was like, perfect. Now I don't have to like, now I have this like whole food plant-based version of ice cream that I can make on demand and I can eat the whole blender. And it's like, I ate two servings of fruit. Like I didn't right. do something wrong. I exactly. did something good for myself. And it tastes like ice cream. So you're like t- happy even cream. more. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh. That's right. So what, tell us a little bit about, so you also had weight loss. How much weight did you end up losing? In the first year, I lost close to 50 pounds. Um, And then since then, I've probably lost more than 70 pounds. Um, And and I tell my patients all the time, I say, you know, the cool thing is when you find, when you eat this food and you find ways to, to love it and eat it in delicious ways, this is not like, what I had done for my wedding or what most people do to lose weight, which is that they punish themselves, right? Mm -hmm. This is actually giving yourself a gift every day. And you just gravitate towards this natural healthy weight because you're eating food that, you know, nature intended and, and you can't overeat. You know, I show that forks over knives diagram of what 500 calories looks like probably five times a day to my patients. Cause I'm like, this is the, you don't have to count calories. If this is all the food you're eating or 90% of the food you're eating, you can't overeat this food. And so that's also very wonderful because somebody, you know, who, who doesn't want to punish himself, like who doesn't want to count and write every little thing they're taking um, and wants to feel like they can eat and enjoy you know, and eat to satiety and eat to fullness and things like that. That's me very much. Like I like to, and now I feel when I get seconds or even thirds, I'm like, no, this is just even better for me. <laughs> I'm getting more polyphenol. You sound like you me. sound like my husband. The more plants, the better I am. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Speaking of uh, spouses, is your wife and your children follow suit? That's right. Um, so my wife is always a vegetarian. Actually. Oh. She was a vegetarian until she met me. <laughs> and then I got her to start eating meat. It's terrible. <laughs> um, she started trying it. She never really like gravitated towards it, but she would have it. I think we'd go to restaurants and stuff. Um, but then like, then mostly had kind of been a vegetarian. And, um, and my in-laws who live in, nearby, like they are also vegetarian and from very young age started feeding my children so my kids eat almost completely plant-based diet um but they often gravitated towards those things even before i made my change because that's Mm -hmm. what my mother-in-law was feeding them very simple south indian vegetarian food like just lentils rice 
and simple vegetables. And they would eat that from four months on. So they developed a taste for it. Like my, my middle son, who's eight, he loves uh, salad. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, he loved, they all love vegetables and beans. And we, at this point, have not said to them, you can't have whatever, like, and they go to school mm -hmm. and stuff. So sometimes they eat meat, like they'll eat chicken nuggets or something like that. And I've just been, we'll be out if we go to a restaurant or something, they will choose like a bean and rice burrito or they will choose mm -hmm. because they enjoy that. And they, mm -hmm. and I think back to when I was their age and I'm like, that was like the punishment for me. It's so interesting mm -hmm. how different, but we also celebrate now, especially since, since we've transitioned, I've transitioned to answer your question. Yeah, my wife has sort of embraced this as well. Um, she was always vegetarian. And then um, when I first told her, I came home, I said, I'm going to eat this way. She laughed. <laughs> She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I can't. She's like, didn't you say this a year ago? And I was like, that's why I've been doing meatless Mondays every Monday, which she also thought was ridiculous because she was like, I'm a vegetarian. Like, you can't just pick one day a week. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It was um, your primer. It was your primer. It was, it was, it was <laughs> I was building, now I understand it because now I've yeah. learned all these things about behavior change. I was building my self-efficacy and my confidence. Mm -hmm. I was in the, you know, pre-contemplative contemplative state and I was getting preparation. And You like and to take so, your time. That's right. <laughs> in this state. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then, um, and then the very next day in this three-week challenge, she bought a pizza, sausage pizza for me for dinner. And I said, why did you get, didn't you hear me yesterday? I said, I'm gonna, and she said, oh, yes, that's right. I didn't think you were being serious about that. And I didn't eat that pizza. And oh, wow. I think that she, yeah, she was like, oh, wow. This is a, like, this something's is going something, on. <laughs> something's going on, something's different. You're meditating in your car. You're telling me you wanna eat plant-based diet. Like I don't, uh, and so I, um, I, over time, have have really influenced the whole, like, now all the, my wife used, she likes to bake, and she used mm -hmm. to bake standard American, like, you know, butter, sugar, all eggs, all these things. Now she does complete whole food plant-based baking. Um, nice. Do you know whole food plant-based cooking show, Jill Dalton's uh, uh, YouTube channel? I've yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yes, yes. Yeah, and she, um, she makes all her desserts are whole food plant-based sweetened with dates um and she makes a thin mint cookie cake which if you mm. never made that highly 100 2000 percent recommend it it's the most moist delicious um right and the the frosting is cashews and dates and wow. cocoa powder and some peppermint um extract and the cake itself is oat flour and almond flour and dates as super moist and we have that now even my kids ask for it for their birthdays they say mommy make that cake and we oh. just had it for my birthday and even for her birthday she'll make it <laughs> or i'll make it um it's that good right wow. and yeah. so that's that's um yeah pretty much everything most of the things mm -hmm. we're eating i mean we buy some like i have kids so i started buying the impossible nuggets for them because i was like okay if you want to eat chicken nuggets there's something that some lab close enough. <laughs> close enough where you don't have to um i recently have i wasn't so i that was my goal 80 percent, 90 percent. but recently i've i say 100 percent. i recently decided i'm going to be vegan i read um ed winter's 
book, which is this, this is vegan propaganda. And, um, and we got a dog during the pandemic and all of these things in my head, I was just like, I can't reconcile this anymore. And mm-hmm. so I don't tell my patients necessarily, and I don't encourage them. I always emphasize like, it's about eating more plants, right? Cause mm-hmm. you get the benefits and that's definitely what I experienced. And what we know is like, you get so much of the benefit from eating more plants and if you do it right, like you end up crowding out all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you keep crowding it out, eventually there's no more space <laughs> for anything but plants. Um, really but, interesting to me to how people will gradually go into it or overnight. So I was overnight. That's right. Literally. Oh, really? Oh, really? yes. So I, I told you earlier before we started how right. the patient came in and I started reading uh, the China study um, by T. Colin mm-hmm. Campbell. It, I literally read that in two days. I was so like, I was telling my husband, I was like, look, they're turning off cancer by yeah. <laughs> eating plants. Yes. Like what is going yes. on? Right. And right. as I was in my own head, trying to figure out what this meant uh, personally in a practice, uh, for me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is such an amazing tool to use with patients. And um I had a patient with lupus that came in and living in Western Colorado in a little town, you're a lot of everything. So the nearest hmm. uh, rheumatologist was over an hour away and they only came in maybe once a month from Denver. So I lived on the other side of the Colorado state. You know, oh, wow. Rock- I mean, there's these big yeah. things called the Rocky mountains on the other side. And so, um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but she, I got her, she came in, she was on 12 meds. I put her on a plant-based diet. Cause she said, I, 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 don't know what else to do. She was like, I feel horrible. I'm having migraines every day. She was 50 pounds overweight. I was mm. like, try this plant thing. I was reading about the anti-inflammatory component. Two weeks later, we measured her CRP. It was like three times high normal. Two weeks later, she had lost eight pounds. CRP had dropped yeah. wow. just outside normal. Her migraines were gone. Fast That's forward right. five months, stopped seven That's to 12 right. meds. Anyway, that night, That's after right. like two weeks, came home overnight. Three teenagers said we're going on the plant we said my husband's like are you still cooking he's like whatever I'm like yes (laughs) so the kids were like don't argue with mom because mom you know going through medical school three little kids I they were five three and ten months when I started medical school and um, oh wow so and being the military I was like listen I ain't I'm not your short order cook I'm your mother you will eat what I have but when we went out though the kids would you know, order what they wanted. And like you said, you know, they choose to do things. That's what I noticed with my, my 13, 15 year old, my daughter went off to college and she took a little bit longer to come around, but she has, but um, <laughs> everyone's plant-based now. But the, the interesting thing was the boys started ordering tofu instead of chicken. Yeah. But I mm, totally get that. Yeah. But so yeah, yeah, yeah. now here you are, you've made these transitions, you're hundred percent, right. you're working towards, you know, sharing this message with your patients where where would you do like so what would be your advice to someone because it's a really interesting path that you took that's right and these were all these light bulb moments for you that's right universe i don't feel like they're coincidences i feel like it's just presented to you when you're ready to hear the message that's right what what do you think is is your your advice to someone who's contemplating this well i have i've thought a lot about this because i well i meet patients in the clinic and it's like sort of what are the and I think about my own experience, right? And it started with sort of understanding a bigger purpose, right? Mm-hmm. What are what are my bigger goals or aspirations for my life, for my kids, for my family, and what's meaningful to me? Um, 
that I would say is like uh, what I call the roots, your roots. Mm. Your roots are what, you know, ground you. That's R. This, by the way, is R-A-K, the, name, the letters of my name, R-A-K. So roots. And then from roots, it's like awareness. A is awareness, right? So really understanding, like, what is it that you do? And why do you do what you do? For food, it was like, I always thought, and I help my patients now, like, what is it you like about food? Or what is it that keeps you eating the things that you eat? And so much of it is tradition and the emotion associated with food and how we use food for so many things, for comfort, for stress, um, and food addictions that we have because the food is designed that way. And so that awareness piece is like, okay, like, why am I eating? Like, why am I eating this? And why am I eating now? And what is it that I like about food? And how might I re-engineer like new food or different food to eat that way? But you could use that awareness piece for any change that you're trying to make, right? Mm -hmm. And then K is how you make change, which is kindness. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to like what I said is, you know, if you design a punishment for yourself, you're only going to do it for so long before, you know, you're like, I don't want to punish myself anymore. And you'll go back to the thing that you think you deserve or that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. But kindness is different, right? Kindness is like, how can I make changes that feel good to me and are also good for me mm -hmm. and reflect that higher purpose, aspiration, you know, because that feels good really you know, to, to live up to that and to move towards that with your choices and your behaviors feels really good too. And kindness is also like showing up, you know, showing up for yourself. I've, I've learned a lot about like self-compassion and self-kindness. And, you know, when you grow up, um, I'll be honest, you know, kids are mean and I, I grew up different. Like I grew up in one of the only like minority kids in my school and I was also overweight and so nobody wanted to pick me like for the kickball team. <laughs> I was always the last one. This type of things, like, you know, you internalize those things. You tell yourself a really negative story. And um, and to 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 kind of sit with that and unlearn that and um and to start to be kind to yourself, like that's really powerful. So mm -hmm. roots, awareness, kindness. That's how we. That's how we make change. You, mm -hmm. you understand your reason, you, you understand what it is you do and why you do it, and then you make changes in a way that are kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's fabulous, which is a wonderful segue to your website and That's right. your information. That's right. So please share. I know it's under construction, but hopefully by the time this podcast airs, it will it should be, be live. Let's, let's get it. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is giving me the motivation to, to hit the button. Um, what is yeah, your website? It's, it's Rock Your Life. So I'm Rock, Dr. Rock. And Rock is R-A-K. I know people see it, they'll say Rack, but they'll just have to <laughs> spend a minute browsing and they'll understand. Um, and it's that. It's Rock Your how do you rock your life? How do you live a life that's yeah. worth living? That Because I really feel, and you know this from your own life and all the lives of patients you've changed, is like, it's not just about like reversing disease and improving the numbers. Like it really changes the trajectory of your life, right? When you start living <laughs> with these intentional choices of how can I make choices 
that are going to benefit me, benefit my family, and how, and then it, it carries over into so many things. Like, it doesn't just change your life, it changes the lives of so many other people that you know, right? I, I feel like it's that light that sort of shines, and then I see it now. I see it in my patients and their kids, like, will come in and they'll be like, dad is eating tofu and tempeh, and, and <laughs> he's lifting weights in the garage. <laughs> it's like energetic, you know, it's like, that's great. And so yeah. I want to, you know, I'm starting this website. It's rockyourlife.org, R-A-K-L-I-F-E, or no, org. Um, I decided .org because, um, you know, this is like a social mission for me. Like I really want more and more people to connect with this idea that they have this ability, this powerful ability to take control of their life. And it's really by taking control of your lifestyle habits. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is we have so much now in the way of science and research decades, really, of how people make change and effectively make change. And, and you know this as well as I do, like that's something our healthcare system needs to get much better at is leveraging that and, and, and supporting people to make those changes. Mm-hmm. And so I asked myself, well, what's some way I can start doing that now more for my patients and for other people? And um, I spend a lot of time in these short visits in the clinic, right? We have 20 minutes. Um, so I've also thought like I create things, more resources that I can just basically have them go see on the website. Um, and I do, I send them to like, you know, the big ones, forks over knives, nutrition facts. And, um, and I also spend a lot of time just talking to them about these, these three big pillars that I talked about. So I was like, well, I can, I can, uh, I can share that with them. And now you can share this podcast and they can know your whole story. That's right. That's right. That's right. That'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be it cool. It will be cool. <laughs> hmm. Well, that, that's, it's, it's very, very true. It's, um, what's fun though, is to, when you start a journey like this and just briefly from my own experience and just looking back, you know, this is 10 years from me being on a plant-based diet and being a doctor for 20 some odd years. And you're looking back over time and you're just like, wow, that that one instant where that patient, I accidentally said, stop eating meat and dairy. Right. And just, it, I can't even, I mean, the. I <laughs> I'm never going to forget the journey that. That's so is cool. Just, is you just, accidentally prescribed a plant-based diet. <laughs> I did. I accidentally prescribed a plant-based diet, which has now turned into, <laughs> you know, every year it just, it continues to evolve. I've, um, my, uh, business you know I'm, so now i'm chief medical officer at blueberry health which will soon be mora uh, medical this anyway yeah. there'll be a podcast explaining the name change but um they're considering me a co-founder so there's three of us and murti you know he sent me this book he said that the surrender experiment and um hmm. by yeah mickey singer um it's incredible incredible story so if you okay. haven't read it i would highly recommend i have not read it and then he wrote a book called The um, Untethered Soul, which I read like in a day. And then another book he just released called Living Untethered. So basically it's regarding mindfulness, meditation, but the surrender experiment was his life story. And I, I can't even it like 
it's an incredible story. The journey that this man took, and I, he lives in Gainesville, Florida. I've tried to get him on the podcast. He doesn't do podcasts online. So I'm going to go, when I go to Colorado Florida later this year, I'm going to go try to meet him in person. Oh, cool. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it, those three books, honestly, in the last two to three months have just, I mean, I feel like I've already gravitated towards that. I've already kind of been that type of person, but this type of, it just lowers the, I'm Stress. definitely gonna. I mean, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. gonna. Re, yeah, <laughs> it'll be you right down your alley. Me. Like you, you don't have to convince you, me. Yeah, um, I'm telling you, I, uh, I, I feel like it's just, um, it's, it's opened. It's like it's opened. I don't know what to do. The door, the windows, or something to let hmm. more sunshine in. And it's just like, hmm. oh my gosh, it's like another That's layer. Beautiful. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. But anyway, so there's a, another resource for you, but. Um, yeah, that's fun. Well, you've had, I, I feel like you're just beginning your journey and it'll be really fun to see where you're going because your energy is fantastic. So I'm excited to see where oh, you go. Appreciate that. I <laughs> yeah. really appreciate me getting to meet you. One thing I've learned for the last few years, you before we started, you asked me if I've been to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine Conference and I've been yeah. a couple of times and just the energy of oh. those conferences and how and all the amazing incredible people like like they sort of connect on this like oh higher energy like wavelengths let, i can't really explain let me tell it, you you know what well, I mean? let me no i tell you what my husband calls it he goes lori you're going to be plugged back into the mothership to be <laughs> i was like yes yes i am <laughs> going back to the mothership because i come back just like <laughs> yeah like, right <laughs> i've never been yeah. that energized from like oh. going to a conference no it's a i mean i've been to all sorts of american academy of family medicine american medical association right. you know we go through all those the regular conferences are kind of <laughs> you're exhausted right. by the time That's you right. get done with day That's one right. and these you're like every day is even better and then you were you just like do we have to go can we go another day <laughs> you know, know. It's just... <laughs> and the food is so good it's all plant-based breakfast lunch dinner and you're just i don't know and even oh. like the stance with like products and stuff it's like yeah. really interesting yeah. services and you're meeting people it's from all, all about over the world people oh amazing That's and right. i'm I have friends from literally almost every continent at, at this point from these type of conferences. And um, the last thing I'll so say, boring. which is really tied to this, is that yeah. I, I was, I think what I was remind, what I'm reminded of when I go to these conferences is goes back to that. And maybe it's what you were saying. It's that through line. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm reminded of why I went into medicine. Yes. Because this is what I was called to do, to heal people, to serve. In this the antidote capacity. to burnout. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. I mm -hmm. say the same thing mm -hmm. because it, it was the antidote for my burnout. Mm -hmm. And um, it really is like why people are burnt out because they mm -hmm. see this exhaust cloud of patients stuck in this mm -hmm. system that is failing on so many levels. Yep. Yep. No, I, it pulls you right out of the doldrums you're describing. That's right. Oh yeah, doldrums, and then he had cocooning, <laughs> and where you sort of reflect in, and then calling. Yeah, and and that's and that's what I've sort of been doing. I've been cocooning, and and then I feel oh, like I think I'm you're about finding like you're my about calling, sprouting your wings like a butterfly. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's a right. Very beautiful mm -hmm. butterfly. 
Oh, really. Sweet of you. <laughs> but um, it's fantastic. So what a joy speaking to you. And thank you for sharing your thank story you. with the listeners. Thank you for giving me the time. And uh, yeah, appreciate you. Yeah, oh, looking forward absolutely. to meeting at one of those conferences. Oh, absolutely. We'll definitely meet in person. So that'll that's always so much fun because you're like, wow. So I always some people go like, you're so much taller than I thought you were. I'm like, no. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, oh. <laughs> so we funny. say you're five seven. I'm five, I am five like eight, about five seven and a half. I say five. Yeah. Eight. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm like five three or five. We're about two. the same like, height. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. My daughter is a little tiny. She's got those Filipino jeans, but my husband's only five six, and my boys are like five ten, and it's like. Oh, I did strange. something. <laughs> my, my daughter goes, I gave all my tall jeans to the boys. I'm like, well, they needed it. <laughs> but, oh, well, but right. thank you again. And everyone, please check it out. Rockyourlife.org and rock that's right. R-A-K. R-A-K. .org. Got it. And that, we'll make that's sure right. that's in the show notes as well. But um, yeah, definitely check it out. Share this guide with your friends. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe and alert buttons so you don't miss out on any of the amazing content we're working so hard to provide you. We upload a new episode of Health & Mora with Dr. Lori Marbus every Friday. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find us on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. If you're looking for amazing resources to help you start and sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, or anything wellness, we got you covered there too. Because at Mora, we actually provide physician-led support groups to help people live happier, healthier lives free of metabolic disease. Don't forget to check out our website at mora.com. And thanks again for watching.